Hi, you're listening to another Tom and His podcast, and this time we are interviewing Juliet Forster, who's the Associate Director at Theatre Royal York. Uh, I say we because it wasn't me really doing the interviewing, it was the whole of the Youth Network leadership team. We here were at a residential in York, kind of discussing the future of Arts Award Voice and how we're going to move Arts Award forward, and we went to see a performance of See How They Run, which uh, Juliet was the director of. And afterwards, we got to have a chat with her, which was really, really nice. So this interview contains a lot of stuff about what it's like to work in theatre, what it's like to be a director, and I hope you find it interesting. And I will see you on the other side. So I suppose I should just introduce everyone slightly. Yes, I think that's all. So Juliet knows you. You're all the Arts World Youth Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I suppose you might have to give that your quick names quickly as well. Then, and uh, what part of the country you're from? Where are you from? I'm Meredith, and I'm from Martin. Uh, Molly from Swindon. Tom from London. Uh, Sally from Bristol. Morgan from Birmingham. Vicky, I work for Oxford, so I'm basically. Yes, from Newcastle. I work for Oxford as well, I'm based in the West Midlands and a bit in London. Mm-hmm. I'm Shona from Lancaster. I'm Josh from Sark. And I'm Anthony from Preston. Great. Some of you come away, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just to see my show. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, I suppose that's um, what we do partly, or I'm sure they'll give you some feedback from the show as well, which I'm hoping I know is always there. Yeah. Uh, Paul's grabbing his feedback from the designers, so yeah. <laughs> do the same. Um, and then Tom's going to probably lead on, on a couple of questions. Tom is uh, one of our sub editors for the Arts of Voice website. Uh, which uh, I'm sure Kate's been raving about lately. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so I guess there'll be a couple of questions about, about what you do and any way how you got there as well. Because uh, okay. although some people here are visual arts, some other people are performance and yeah. technical and acting and such like, <clears> so it'd be really good to okay. them to have a, an idea for a few minutes. So, did you want to kick off, Tom? Oh, well, yeah. Um, like the first question I wanted to ask was how come your picture didn't make it into the. Um, how to online pictures? Yeah, everyone else has got a picture and then you're just sort of like... Um, well, they do quite often put my picture in, but sometimes it ends up being uh, a picture from rehearsals. So I'll be captured with the actors in a rehearsal photo. Um, but there's a weird tradition that actually um, anybody on this side of, of the kind of the auditorium doesn't have their photo in the programme and anybody that side does. And I suppose it's because actors live, you know, um, from their faces, don't they, in many ways. They're recognisable, people see them and they know them, and even if they don't know their name, they know who they are. So actually the face of the actor is really important, you want to be able to identify who is who. Whereas actually, you know, us that work on the other side of it, sometimes you just want to slip around in the background, it's quite nice that people don't always know <laughs> that you're involved. Um, so I suppose it's that, but I have been in um, on other programmes. On this one, there was no kind of photos that had me in. Have you, <laughs> I, I suppose, to all that follow on that, have you had any sort of funny experiences of where you've been sat in the audience and you've heard either some people who've absolutely loved it or, or maybe something, maybe not so that you've directed, but someone who's uh, maybe not liked a particular scene or something, like, what happened to that? Well, have you, is it a nice way to get feedback sometimes to do that? I, I have to say, and it's not, uh, I've, I've never in all my term had bad feedback. I've never overheard things that I wish I hadn't heard, you know, or kind of, or, you know, gritting my teeth out. I have had sometimes had some nice things, and just occasionally people suddenly somehow realise that you are connected. I've sometimes had people, as they come out of um, a show, just go, they don't necessarily know I'm the director, but they, they somehow, they realise I'm part of it, and they'll come and say, you know, I just wanted to say this about it. And actually the nicest um, things that I've had were actually on my last show that was uh, in the studio, which was Angels and Insects. 
and I had loads of people, and it was a really bizarre amount of people that were just going, we've never been to the theatre before, and I don't know why we came, really. we just were kind of interested, and we just had this kind of amazing experience from it. And that was so nice, because people were telling me, without knowing that I was that responsible, they just wanted to tell somebody when they came out, and that was really nice. I've never overheard bad things yet. <laughs> I'm sure there will come Definitely a day. Definitely not from the show. Um, right there. <laughs> but, um, but I've actually been guilty of the other way around. I, I remember being in a show many years ago and just going, oh, what? who directed this? This is awful. And then realised he was sitting just <laughs> Never do that again, because it's just not fair, actually. <laughs> you know, sometimes things go wrong or they don't go what, you know, how you want them to be. Um, so, no, uh, I've never quite had um, if I can just quickly jump in again, for um, people who may or may not end up listening to this and don't quite understand the role of a director, mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could quickly just give a brief overview of what your job is. Oh. <laughs> a lot of people um, confuse director and producer. That's something that's a, it's a kind of common term that gets kind of mixed up. Uh, a producer is somebody that actually um, tends to be the person who raises the money, puts the things together, holds the structure, if you like, together for a show to go on. Uh, they might often pick the play or pick the creative team that are part of it, um, but they don't actually get artistically involved in the making of it. The director really is the person who um, takes the text, um, whether they've chosen it or whether it's been given them to do, and they, they cast out of that, they choose who they think is going to play those roles, they create the vision for it and just think, you know, especially if it's a play like this one that's been done, you know, millions of times before, it's a really well-worked classic, and um, think, you know, what can I do that would breathe life into it, I don't want to just be inventive for its own sake, you know, what can I do to, to make it feel like it's it's fresh for now, it was written in 1943, you know, um, so uh, that's, and everything that happens on stage and the way that it, it looks and it communicates with the audience comes through how I work it in the rehearsal room, working with the actors and, and doing that. And I would, uh, as the director, generally, you know, pick ultimately the creative team that comes together. The producer might be involved in that to, to some degree, as I say, but actually, you know, I chose the design and the lighting design and things like that, and I chose the cast. Um, so the bringing together those creative heads and then trying to hold it together as well, because I think that that's actually the kind of the funny thing with theatre is that, because um, obviously not all theatre people, but theatre is a, a collective art form, so it actually depends on lots of different creative heads coming together and actually being working well together and actually being able to come under a kind of cohesive vision. Um, so actually that's what you do as a director, is that you bring those things together and you make sure that it's one thing and that you haven't got a designer going off in that direction, you know, an actor going off in that direction, you know, and it's not actually kind of coming together as a whole. Cool, thank you. Um, does anybody have any questions directly related to? Uh, how do we do this? Do you want to do the show first or the role? Yeah, but yeah. well, we the role if you want. Yeah, <laughs> like any questions on the role? Like, how did you get into this industry, etc., etc.? I know we've got a few theatre heads. It um, sounds. I mean, I'm from a theatre background, so excuse me if I'm being ignorant. But um, <laughs> it sounds really difficult to keep a group. Um, a team of people so focused on, on your vision and your ideas, um, how do you overcome potential problems and <laughs> differences between the creative team? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that partly you tend to end up uh, beginning to build a team of people that you like working when you realise you've got kind of common ground, you know, so Barney, who designed it, I, this is the 
third or fourth time that I've worked with him. And I asked him to do this movie because I just thought, I know he'll bring something just slightly inventive to the set. It won't just be a straightforward box set. You know, it will have something a little bit playful in it. And I know that we can have a conversation and we can do that and we'll work together to get I it to where it is. Yes. Oh, thank I you. I will pass that back to him because I think he's done an amazing job. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so absolutely. Uh, so he's somebody that I knew would be, would be good in that way. With actors, it's kind of, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of the time you only meet them in audition. You know, obviously you can bring in people you've worked with before. There are uh, two actors in it that I've worked with before, but only two out of, out of nine. Um, and the rest of them, you know, you meet them in audition, you kind of think, well, I hope they'll be all right. I think they're going to be, they look like they're going to be good for that. I don't know if I can work with them, but we'll find out. And, and actually, yeah, it's, it, it is the, the, it is the, almost the most challenging job actually in being a director you can have anybody can have a vision if you like but actually how you get people working to that vision and how you tease the right performance out of them is is the art of it and it's quite difficult to say exactly how you do that because it's about how you communicate with people about um, the appropriate moment in the room to be um, uh, to be firm with something or to be encouraging with something or to kind of just go okay let's just leave it open let's see how it, how it goes um, it's a, it is, it's a really difficult balancing act, but actually that's the beauty of it. It's because you get all those different creative minds in balance and they're doing their thing. That's, that's what I love about it, to be honest. It's, you know, it's not just one head, it's one um, With that, does the journey from when you set out and from the initial casting to when the show's put on, does your vision change and adapt according to other people's ideas? <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, one of the things that I think I learned about directing quite early on when I, when I started was um, I read um, Peter Brook's The Empty Space, I don't know if anyone's kind of read that here. If you haven't and you're just in theatre, read it because it's a really interesting kind of text. Obviously Peter Brook, very famous um, theatre director. And he describes his first morning um, at the RSC for his first rehearsal there. He was kind of quite a young director at the point and he's very nervous and, um, and he's heard all these things that the stage management is really ruthless at the RSC and if you don't know what you're doing then they're really hard on you. And, and so he was, he was trying to you know, work out the blocking for his first sort of scene with everybody coming on. And he stayed up all night because he was so worried about it, you know, with little cardboard cutouts moving them around on the stage and then writing down each move and kind of giving everybody numbered and um, he describes kind of going into rehearsals that first morning and he kind of walks confidently into the room and he slams his book down in front of the stage and he goes right let's do the kind of opening thing numbers everybody gets them all to go right this is the opening go off you go and he said what <laughs> what went kind of in front of him was completely not what he'd seen in his head because some people were walking in character, some people were doing a sort of slightly different rhythm, some people had something else, some sort of objective that they were playing and um, they didn't land up at all where he thought they would and, and so he realised that the second move in his book was not going to work from the move that had just happened on this first one. It was totally different and he said it was a defining moment in his career because he said he had the choice that he could either go, right, everybody go back and go to these positions, that's yeah. where I want you to be, or he could work with what was in front of him. And he just, he's decided he just closed the book and just worked with what's in front of him because he said, actually, that's much more interesting. And that's kind of something that's, that influenced me very early on in my career. And I, and I, I thought, that's, that's actually right. That's what I wanted to do because I know I could choreograph something in my head and have all those kind of ideas and all those things. But actually, if I'm working with what's in front of me, then actually it's going to be far more... Um, owned by the cast and, and kind of you know and and kind of much more embedded in what they're doing than if I try and impose something from the outside and I see plays all the time where you, you look at it, you just go you know you can see that they don't quite believe those they don't quite believe what they're doing because it's not really coming from their ideas 
Um, so, yeah, uh, if that answers your question, I would yeah. say very much do work with what's in front of me. So it does, it changes. I mean, I would say my overall kind of concept of what the play is and, and what's funny or interesting or moving or powerful or whatever it is, or, you know, political, about whatever kind of different piece I'm doing, that probably stays with me because that's why I'm excited by it as a, as a piece. But it definitely feeds in and changes by the people that's in that room. Yeah, absolutely. I think that really highlights um, how every role within the theatre is an organic and creative process yeah. rather than just this is your job. Yeah, do this. absolutely right, absolutely right. <coughs> and actually lots of people have fed into this in a, in a, in a funny way. They've, they've just given their perspective as they're coming through. They've come up with an idea of a prop that actually just go, yeah, that's great because that's that's from stage management or this is from this. You know, it's great. You know, it is an organic process, absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. What drew you specifically to this? This piece, this play. Okay. It's fun. Yes. <coughs> it's fun to watch. So. Yeah. When um, well, when I was uh, before I came here, which was six years ago, um, I was more of a jobbing director, so I'd go where the work was. And before that, I ran my own company, so I had much more kind of choice of what I did. Um, when you come to somewhere like this, there is a you don't always have an absolute sort of um, say in what you do. You obviously have a negotiation about it. But we came up with um, this autumn season and we knew that the slot that we were going to produce here had to be something that was quite light and quite funny because we've got quite a bit of classic theatre touring in, we've got Richard III later on and we just felt it needs to be something that is a crowd pleaser, that is quite light, is funny. Um, so we started discussing texts um, between myself and Liz and Damien, so that's our chief exec and our artistic director. And um, we discussed lots of titles and I read lots of different things. And, um, and then suddenly, um, I hadn't thought about this play because Damien, um, uh, actually we'd said originally it had to be a cast of six and this is a cast of nine. And so we were looking at various options and then suddenly Damien turned around and said, what about see how they run? It's something we'd discussed before, but quite a few years ago, so he'd had it on the list for a while that he wanted to do. Um, and I was in it at school, so I was going, oh, I was in it, it was really funny, it was great, it was really, I have really, really good memories of it. So, um, so I sort of went and looked at it again and still laughed out loud actually when I read it and I thought, oh, that's good, that's a good sign actually, because obviously, you know, it's, it is slightly dated, not it's written in the 40s, but actually it was still making me laugh and I thought, well, if it's still doing that to me and I'm not a, a huge fan of kind of farce and things that are just light for light's sake, it's not my usual kind of uh, work that I do. Um, so I thought, well, if, that's, if I, it's appealing to me, maybe there's something that we can really make out of it. Um, so that's sort of how it came about really. So it was, it was to fit what we needed to do programme-wise, but I also felt a connection to it. If I hadn't wanted to do it, they wouldn't have forced me to do it. But, um, but it, was, it was a common negotiation. How apparent were you? Does anyone want to guess? <laughs> Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's the best part. It's of It's one of the things where like, obviously like the lead characters do the final yeah. battle, obviously the tubes do, but I sort of felt like that's the picture. I know. Either. Like, I know. Either I know. Holds it together. Ooh, but that's so political. That's I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so once you've chosen it. Um, what do you do if you're dealing with a, a period piece, really, yeah. as, as it is? Mm -hmm. How do you how do you bring it up to date? Well, not bring it up to date, but how do you how do you play it so that it works? Yeah, with for the now. Yeah. as it did tonight. So, yeah. so what, what what are, what are the? I think there's lots do? of different things yeah. with that, and I think it's quite interesting that uh, often people think that something is dated 
only if you put it in period dress, do you know what I mean? So if you still do it something like that, then actually it's not relevant now. And I don't think actually it's got very much to do with that at all. I mean, you think of the kind of things that people like on television at the moment, you know, and, and actually you can get things set in the 50s, set in whatever, you know, actually, if it's, if it's speaking to us now, it doesn't matter, you know, kind of what the clothes are, what the kind of the look is. Um, so I think that's the first thing, is just not to worry about that. But it was actually a lot of conversation with the designer to sort of say that, you know, obviously we, it needs to look period, we can't set it at any other time than it is, you know, it's not a play that you can do that to. But I wanted it to um, have contemporary sort of theatre design techniques applied to it, I didn't want to just do a neat kind of um, sort of living room set that, you know, with a fourth wall that just sat inside it. So the two things that we did was one, we pulled it forward, so it jutted out of the stage, so it didn't just sit within that. So that, that in itself is much more of a sort of contemporary thing. There's lots of contemporary things actually within it, but also we just created more of a structure of the whole house, so you just got a bit more of the feel of it. And I really looked at what was happening outside the windows, whereas actually in the original kind of thing, because they, they, in the French's edition, they very conveniently draw the set out for you, so everybody knows how it's supposed to be. Um, but we put extra windows in and the whole thing that you could get a sense of what was going on outside. So it was partly to do with that. And then actually, all the actors, I asked them in um, the auditions about what made them laugh. And I said that was interesting, actually kind of looking at, you know, more of the contemporary humour, the kind of, the kind of physical things and the reactions that we might relate to now. And some of the things that aren't so funny, they're a little bit dated, just letting them kind of fall off the back a little bit. And they have to be there because they're within it, but we don't have to kind of play them too hard. So um, the sort of the sheer uh, big physicality and, and, kind of, and we don't care if we throw ourselves around and do whatever, that, that kind of sense is, is very now. Yeah. It's not mannered. Um, we kind of left that sort of behind and we made it very physical and get down and dirty with it, if you like. Um, and that, I suppose that's, that's how, how I approached it. I have to say, if it had been a very dated, I just wouldn't have done it. If it had been a very dated farce, I just, I just don't think I could have. I went and saw one over the summer that was um, <laughs> uh, very. Uh, I went to the writer, but I'm a very famous farce writer, and I just kind of thought, I just can't relate to this. It's just not. It's not. You know. But actually, this play, it's tiny little bits that are dated, but most of it you still go. It's actually still funny. It's still funny. Hopefully. You yeah, it kind of has a sense of the ridiculous, doesn't mm. it? I haven't yeah. seen it before, but yeah. I was trying to think why it was still funny, because yeah. in a way you don't think it will be when you no, read about exactly, it, and exactly. you think Vickers, yeah. why Vickers funny? But I think it's something to do with that that yeah sense of the ridiculous, so you just... It just yeah. makes you giggle. Well, one vicar isn't yeah. funny, but four. But four vicars is very yeah. funny. And Alan Bishop. Do you know why? I think yeah. having the British, like, slip <coughs> up a lip yeah. with, um, yeah. with the characters in there yeah. also, like, really... Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very British humour, isn't it, it somehow? Yeah. I can't imagine another country translating it and doing yeah, it somehow. Yeah. It's very British. And the German really accent was perfect. Like, I thought he was genuinely German. <laughs> German. <laughs> like, like, oh, well, he'll love that, I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, he did meet up with somebody um, uh, who, who helped him out. Oh, so. okay. I quite like the bit where he, he was the German doing the English accent when he was. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That really for me stuck. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I did the back end, so I know how difficult it is to yeah. do one and another thing. Do you know all he did then in that though? Do you know he didn't actually attempt to put on a British accent? Mm -hmm. All he did was um, we decided uh, that 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 when he was he was being openly German, if yeah. you like, yeah. that his voice was kind of down there, which is why sometimes it dropped when actually his Germans were coming out. And actually, when he was pretending to be British, 
You put it all up there as a head voice, and it's very light. So actually, he didn't change the accent, he just changed the voice. Oh, okay. So there you go, that's something to try next time you've got to get it. That's, yes. that's all he wanted, that, that was it. Okay. That was it. I absolutely loved the, like, good love, pockets. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that'd be lovely. Because, you know, it's our first night tonight. You know, we did, we've had no other feedback. So. I just feel behind the sofa with the two uh, hot water bottles. Oh, you are absolutely happy. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, Lucy is naturally funny, and yet she doesn't she doesn't realise she is yet. She's never played comedy before. But I met her. She's such a young actress as well. I just saw yeah, she's quite there, young. Yeah, but obviously yeah. She looked so much older. So, uh, but I don't know whether. So, but that's not meant to be a bad thing. I saw her in there. I was like, that's yeah. like, but you're so young. She's, 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 she's kind of quite early in her career, but um, but as she's not played comedy before, really. So she she didn't think she was. But I met her in audition. I just thought she's so funny. She's naturally funny. She'll get that. And she's really vibrant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea because all the writers' parts were writing. Okay, oh, I'll tell you. It's, it's the physicality and the facial expressions, yeah. yeah. isn't it? And that's yeah. just yeah. what it down. Yeah. yeah. Any other favourite parts? Yeah, the favourite parts is great to hear, actually. Well, I can say mine. Mine's not necessarily funny part, but because I just know, like, it's just how you direct it or how it stays and the actors are right at the end where the two are explaining the stories and then swapping yeah. in. Because the timing, yeah. that it's just yeah. so, I know done yeah. that sort of so, like, it's amazing. So that was my favourite part. Not because it was funny, but just because well, it's so brilliantly done. Do you know, I can't even take credit for that because it's so well scripted. It, uh, this is the interesting thing about this play, is that there are, there's obviously lots of things that we physically have, have kind of obviously invested and created and put into it. But there's also things that are, are there actually in the script. And that moment, that whole thing is written absolutely identically so that they can that, that as long as they set up in the same rhythm they're speaking mm. together they cross over at the same moment and it's all there in the script they know exactly so i didn't have to do any of that work the wonderful philip king who wrote it <laughs> did it all in there and we just kind of made it made it work so it is, it's but do you know what's interesting about this is that it's it's is that I think it's an incredibly well crafted script i keep saying it to people actually that i I'm, i i can't I can't sort of say how, how impressed I am with it as a, as a piece of writing because although, as I say, it's not my usual thing that I usually choose to direct, it's incredibly well crafted. The person knows what they're doing and it's so well written out. The things like that, yeah, that you really need to just work mm. and, and, it, and it feeds into the whole thing. It's there for you in the script. Brilliant. Mm. Really. What do you normally direct? Um, well, I've done, I've done uh, a lot of classics uh, and um, I've done, I would, if I, if it's comic stuff it tends to be more sort of uh, political dark kind of humour rather than sort of just, you know, sort of lovely lightness for it for its own sake. Um, I write and adapt as well so I've done some of the stuff that I've um, adapted from, um, from other kind of novels or short stories and things like that. So um, I like storytelling theatre, I work quite a lot with storytellers as, uh, as well so you know, kind of very physically um, visually kind of created work and um, so this is just it's just different just different can I just say I have a question that relates to this though um, I really don't know much about theatre I'm going to be completely honest I've never got into it very much 
and I was sitting there thinking, why not go to the theatre walls? Mm. Um, and I thought I really should know more about it, and I wondered, where did you actually start? Like, how did you get to this point? How did I get to yeah. it? Um, I, I, I kind of, I used to read a lot, and I think it was quite imaginative, so I kind of, I, I was kind of quite an imaginative sort of child. And, and that's, I kind of got interested in theatre out there because I think it's quite a natural thing if you visualise things in books when you're reading that you start visualising it, you start creating, yeah, exactly, you know what I mean. And um, so I started wanting to act, but I was never very good at it actually, could have been at school because I wasn't very loud. I had a very quiet voice, I was very shy and very kind of, um, uh, kind of quite uh, private. And um, so I never really got parts, but I desperately wanted to do it and I got more and more sort of wanted to do theatre, wanted to do theatre. And um, my brother had a part in a school play um, about when I was probably about 11 or 12, just at the start of secondary school. And he was in, um, he was in Rex the Thrippley Opera, people know, know, know that one. Mm -hmm. and, and that was like a, one of those life-changing experiences that I went to, it was just a school production. But I just was so thrilled by it and so excited by it that I just thought, this is, this is really what I want to do. And I kept trying to get parts in play and I wouldn't get them. And then um, I was actually in um, the, I was at a school that had a cadet force, so I was actually kind of ended up being in the army. So it's a really odd kind of story, but I'll tell it to you. And, um, and actually in doing that, I had to end up getting louder and louder because I ended up having to leave, lead kind of other people and you had to kind of project your voice. And I suddenly learned how to project my voice <laughs> with no other kind of artistic input, just having a sort of necessity of doing it. And then from that moment, I started getting roles in plays at school. And I suddenly realised, oh yeah, okay, that's that's kind of what I was missing was just the kind of being able to do it. And um, and then actually, Ida in in this play was actually the first real good, interesting role that I got. And um, and I had lots of kind of good feedback on it. It was very funny, and you can get that sense of the audience when you know that you're you're doing it right. And that just kind of you know took me on another stage. And then I started looking at what I did. Uh, at university, I was really kind of convinced I wanted to do theatre, and I was sort of being pushed towards English, and I was being pushed towards kind of Oxford and Cambridge. But, this, but I didn't feel that I could learn the practicalities of theatre by just studying something that was only an academic course. So I ended up going to uh, Birmingham University, which at the time um, was a really, really practical course where you just learned you're constantly involved in production after production, whether that was as a stage manager or. You know, lighting, the sound, or wherever you were in it, or being in, in it, um, and it was a really good grounding of being a sort of theatre practitioner, kind of all around. So it was a sort of gradual process, I suppose. In um, and I don't know that I, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a family that was a massive sort of theatre goers, which obviously lots of people very luckily do. Um, but they were just interested enough that occasionally we would go. But it really did come from that that whole production of Thrippling of just going. So when you went and did our like, session in the other place, on the dance floor there were costumes. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember the really lovely man that shows around the backstage. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Did he say you were involved with the costumes or? No, but he, there is another oh, Juliet. There's oh, two Juliets, <laughs> and Juliet is head of wardrobe, yeah. and so she she did the costumes for this. She kind of got the costumes together from the designs that Barney came up with. How do you pick people to make costumes? So I just well, obviously, you might work for a while now, but like in the beginning, did you like have to pick them? Yeah, like well, here we've got a costume department, so there's already kind of people uh, who will make uh, or source it, as in they will find yeah. already made things and kind of kind of bring it in. Um, before I was here, 
uh, I would look for particular costume makers. And again, if you find somebody good, you tend to just keep working with them because you've got the right kind of um, relationship. So it's a bit of a mix with that. Here, though, we've got a whole team um, that work on it. I'm really quite textile savvy. I have my own sewing machine and I just make everything. And because so you're really interested in costumes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I was looking at those costumes downstairs, especially the ball ball one. Mm -hmm. Like the work that went into that was like mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. And I just thought it just looks like not, even though it's a bit of a, like, a ridiculous costume it's like marvelously nice but i think that really excites you that's really something to look at as a, yeah. as a, as a, as a way forward because and if you've got all the skills of being able yeah. to sew i mean that's 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 really good so really I, did, good. I did it like gcse and i got a nice star and then i did it at, and i'm doing it at college so hopefully i'll be just as good and something i really enjoy so many costume designs. Try and get a placement in a, in a, in a costume department of yeah, wardrobe. If you've already got the skills that you can use the same machine, yeah. that you'll get a placement somewhere. Because actually, people sometimes people are interested in costume and they can't actually; do, they're just interested yeah. in it. No. But you will get it if you've got skills already. They'll be really interested to give. Would I have to make things first to show them, or? Um, I'm not sure how they would, they would they would interview in the way that they would yeah. want to interview to, to give you a placement and so if you can say that I've done this and they may ask for a sample or something but if you know that you, you, you're familiar with When I got a placement I just went in and spoke to them um, and they said can you do this, ask like, what is your creative vision for the given script and ask like, what's your creative vision for this piece um, and there was myself and two other girls on the work placement there and we made all of the costumes for a show that was predominantly themed around costumes that's called Through the Wardrobe. Um, and I, we did costumes and wigs. And um, I think once you've got that, like once you've had like, a placement and some experience, it really opens the doors because it's so like useful because obviously in the theatre there's so many people you get to know. So it's kind of like... Um, you can really look around and get to know not just the costume department but the set and the lighting and everyone yeah. else. Great, that'd be cool. I'll, I'll speak to Steve Ball, who's sort of Juliet's counterpart at Birmingham. I know Steve. Yeah. I used to work at the Birmingham Rep, actually. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I'll speak to him later. And uh, they're reopening. Uh, it's early next year now, I think, isn't it? Or late this year still? So, yes, they're reopening very soon. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll speak to Steve. Yeah. There you go. Um, cool. Excellent. Anything else? Um, if I could jump back to the show. Um, Paul said that the set wasn't really started until August. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering oh, when. Oh, God, that's so late. You're listening. Yeah. <laughs> You're not listening when he said it. Yeah, no, I know. But as in, I reacted yeah. like that and I'm still like, reacting. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous considering that we are only like two weeks into September or three yeah. weeks into September or whatever. But um, I was wondering when did auditions actually start and how did they? How do you audition without any idea what the set is really going to look like? Because it, like, I've got the impression that it hadn't been designed or really discussed until about. No, that was when it was finalised. Okay, finalised. You know, we, we'd, um, actually, Barney and I had started to, uh, talking back in March, actually, time. But because, um, because of the way that our programming worked, we hadn't made an absolute definite decision that we were going to do it. And it took quite a while before that happened. So there was a period of time that I kind of thought we were going to do it. So I had started talking to Barney about it. He'd read it, and we sort of said, "Oh, it's kind of you know first impressions of it. What are we thinking about?" So a bit of that was in place. But actually, by um, uh, it was mid July that I did the first set of auditions, and by then, um, you know, we we kind of knew. I think he had a first sort of 
draft of it, if you like. He had a first sort of thing. So um, we did have a sense of that. Um, but in terms of casting, it's less about the set and it's much more about, about um, you know, how I read the characters. Like I say, they did this whole production in two months. So just a bit like the actors learnt the script and oh, you had to interact with We had three weeks rehearsal. Wow. Three weeks, and then production week. So I suppose you could put as in as in this week we've been in there and teching and and doing all those things. But actually, three weeks in a rehearsal room. And do you remember what Paul? Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> do you remember what Paul said that they didn't finalise the set at, like, until the second week of rehearsals in case they needed to change something that came out of development in rehearsals yeah. as well? So that's, that's right. Fair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is the RSC have about 13 weeks. 13. Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you had a question. Oh, so yeah, how many people did you audition? And how many people do you see in the general audition? Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't open out the part of the German for auditions because. That's easy. I, easy actor, isn't he? Yeah, and I know. I know Michael. <laughs> and I was interested in him doing it. Um, and the part of Miss Skillen, uh, I've worked with Ashley before, and I, I knew she'd be really interesting for it, so I saw her actually before those auditions, because she was working over the period I was going to be holding them, so she wouldn't be able to come to them. And I saw her, and after I had sort of seen her, I was pretty sure I wanted her to do it, but I, so I only saw a couple of other people for that role to give me a kind of, kind of contrast, so that I knew I was kind of making the right choice. Um, but for everybody else, I suppose I saw Probably about sort of four or five people for the more sort of slightly more minor roles, if I can call that. It's quite an ensemble, but you know the smaller, the smaller parts. And um, for Penelope and Clive and Lionel um, and Ida, up to point, it was much. There was much more, much more actually for for Lionel and, and Penelope. Um, I probably saw twelve to fourteen people. Um, yeah, yeah. So it kind of is sort of it's sort of variable. And obviously, if, if I hadn't, you know, we'd have got we'd have brought more people in, brought more people in. It was actually Lionel and Penelope were the most difficult to cast, actually, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I think Penelope in particular was cast amazingly. Like, That's good. I was yeah. really impressed. Like as soon as she walked on, it's like boom. <laughs> yeah, she's brilliant. So she's just really good. And actually, you need to feel that you're in safe hands with Penelope because she sees you all the way through. Yeah. Really. That's you know, it's kind of her journey more than anyone else's. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody that I didn't feel? Like, you know, <coughs> usually don't see some people on you. kind of let the side down a little bit, you know. You, but there wasn't anybody that I didn't <laughs> think. Good. You were really, really good. You mm -hmm. were obviously very. No, I was. Good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Mm. I know what you mean. Yeah. And there was a nice surprise in the last vicar that comes on, Humphrey. Yeah. Because you think, oh, another vicar. Yeah. Um, and you're right in this flow of things, so you're not really even expecting another character then. Yeah. But it was so funny. Yeah. In a in a almost quiet way. Because it's the opposite to stiff up a lip, yes. but hold the same principles. Yeah. So you just fall down. Yeah. So it kind yeah. of yeah. Yeah. a fresh yeah. bit of oh, yes, there's something else to laugh at. <laughs> Is there anything else anybody would like to ask? Um, not to ask, but just to say that my favourite moment was um, a bit strange was the use of sound, so that um, the singing of the scales at the front at the beginning was really, really just effective. That was like the first laugh 
and then um, later on when you just hear moans coming from the cupboard, that was just a <laughs> So yeah, it's, yeah. it's the small things I tend to do on, the sound was just fantastic. Were those live or pre-recorded? Which bits? Uh, well, I suppose the scales to start with, I assumed, was probably... It actually, sounds live. You know, pre- I don't know why I asked that, because actually pretty much everything is live. Yeah, the bangs so and crashes are live. The, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 even the doorbell is being done by our DSM kind of in mm-hmm. the wings. You know, all, all that. Yeah. Almost all of it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate the sound. <laughs> I really did love the, like, how much attention was to outside. Like, even, like, down to, like, the leaves. Yeah. And yeah. the lighting changed to show when it's day and night. I really like that. And it looked really nice, the, the glass, because on the window at the top, it kind of went really white, like, throughout the entire thing. And then it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it looks like the moon's really nice tonight. And that's kind of, it kind yeah. of looked like the moon. Yeah, the moon, like, kind of coming through. Yeah. 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 So that was really cool. And I really liked Penelope's purple high-waisted bell-bottom trousers. Yeah. Aren't they good? Period detail. It's very good. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you ever so much again, Julia. Oh, no, you're really welcome. It's so nice to, you know, to have feedback on a first night as well because it's a very stressful week production. You know. So you can sleep well, you know, our first three weeks to have Yes, I will. You're absolutely right. How many weeks are you working for? Three weeks. It is three weeks. Yeah. So we're all getting our reviews out there and we'll get them tweeted. It would really help if you can do, that's wonderful. And it's, as it's just so nice for me because it often takes a little while before you properly get feedback. So it's just, it, it's really great that you came tonight, actually. I was slightly thinking, oh, I don't know, it might be a, it might be a disastrous first night and I have to talk to you, but it's been really nice. It's just really what you had to say, so thank you so much for coming. Really so nice. I check with Paul Hop at the interval, is it all going all right with you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I might not show. No, I Because, of course, the disasters and the are just as much part of the whole thing. It's live. You know, there's always that kind of, you know, always that in there. Well, because of the nature of it, you know, if, if they had gone wrong, you would have noticed it. Yes. <laughs> no, hopefully you didn't. <laughs> I actually thought when Miss Skillers dropped I genuinely thought that was like, uh, oh, I hope she remembers to pick it up before she walks off. I did not realise that. And then when she went over, you sort of realised that was. Unless it was in No, no, yeah, yeah. I genuinely thought, oh, Cool. Yeah, she sold that world. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Thank oh, thank you. You. Hey, so that was the interview with Juliet Forster. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you ever are in York, I do recommend going to the Theatre Royal because it is a really nice building, even if they don't have double glazing. So it can get a bit nippy. Um, obviously, this has been brought to you in association with Arts Award Voice. I do recommend going to that website because we have some fantastic content on there and that's only going to improve over time. And it will be even better if you add your own contributions, because I know that there are creative people out there. So the website is www.artswoodvoice.com. Um, check it out. It's awesome. And I was also wondering if some of you could just like email in some feedback about these podcasts, because a lot of these podcasts are like Thomas interviews. And I was beginning to question whether or not it might be worth changing the podcast title to Thomas interviews dot 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 and um, then using the Tom and his podcast for a new show that I'm kind of considering, which would just be like a discussion-based show with a couple of friends, that kind of thing. So if you wanted to email in any opinions about that, or anything indeed, I'm not really fussy, I quite like to talk to people every so often, Um, do email in your thoughts at podcast at tomandis.com. 
Finally, um, the usual plea. Uh, obviously, some of you will know that my podcast was accidentally deleted off iTunes, and as a result, I lost all of my ratings and like reviews. So it'd be fantastic if you could all hop over to iTunes, give it five stars, give it a nice comment, because that really does help out in the rankings. Um, obviously, I'm not ranking anywhere important at the minute, but the more five stars we get, the more comments we get, the further up I rise and more people will find this content and it's just better all around. So if you could do that, I would be forever indebted. Thanks.